Hello. Um, I don't know if this is going to be, I guess, new intro music or what have you. Um, I guess if it wasn't obvious, I uh, a lot of the music I've basically been making on the show myself. Um, none of it is like... I, I guess the reason why in the previous thing that you'll listen to, I never had to worry is because like, I make those small little medleys. So I kind of figured that I'd just like, alright, I mean, how the hell are they going to sue me if I made it myself? Um, but I guess at this point, um, I don't know, this one's a little bit more frustrating to record just mainly because I already technically did this episode, um, but I didn't have it recorded, so in a sense, it doesn't count. So I technically have to do it all over again. And I have been avoiding this like the play because it is oddly frustrating. Um... So, at this point, I kind of know what he's going to talk about. Um, he doesn't really get edgy uh, in this one. He kind of goes back into being very technical. Um, also, uh, maybe there's any comments, but like, uh, I changed the volume between this one and the previous one. So hopefully there's a difference. I don't know. Uh, when I looked at the one for, I guess, the previous one, it was a little bit low. So I kind of raised, um, I guess, uh, I forget what you call those, but basically how sensitive the microphone is. The gain level, Jesus Christ. Um, so hopefully this sounds a little bit better. Um, if not, then I don't know what the hell to do. I mean, just keep raising until you hear it just like screeching. Um, Unless you, like, prefer that I get, like, right up to the mic. And if this sounds better, then I guess I'm going to have to get a longer arm. As this arm is the shortest out of all the arms that we have. Um, but I'll meet you halfway, and I'll bring the mic closer. But, uh, yeah. Um... So this is paragraph 99. Some principles of history. Think of history as being the sum of two components, an erratic component that consists of unpredictable events that follow no discernible pattern, and a component that consists of long-term historical trends. Here we are concerned with the long-term trends. First principle is, a small change is made that affects a long-term historical trend, then the effect of the change will almost, almost always be transitory. The trend will soon revert back to its original state. Example, a reform movement de designed to clean up political corruption in society rarely has more than a short-term effect. Sooner or later, the reformers relax and the corruption creeps back in. The level of political corruption in a given society tends to remain constant or to change only slowly with the evolution of the society. Normally, a political cleanup will be permanent only if accompanied by the widespread social change. A small change in society won't be enough. If a small change in a long-term historical trend appears to be permanent, it is only because the change acts in the direction in which the trend was already moving, so the trend is not altered by only by only pushed a step ahead. 
The first principle is almost a tautology. If a trend were not stable with respect to small change, it would wander at random rather than following a definite direction. In other words, it would not be a long-term trend at all. Second principle. If a change is made that is sufficiently large to alter permanently a long-term historical trend, then it will alter the society as a whole. In other words, a society is a system in which all the parts are interrelated, and you cannot permanently change any important part without changing all the parts as well. Um, third principle. If a change is made that is large enough to alter permanently a long-term trend, then the consequences for the society as a whole cannot be uh, pre predicted in advance, unless various other societies have passed through the same change and have all experienced the same consequences, in which, in which case one can predict on the empirical ground that another society that passes through the same change will be like to experience uh, similar consequences. Fourth principle, a new society cannot be designed on paper. That is, you cannot plan out a new society form in advance, then set it up and expect it to function as it was designed to. The third and fourth principle result from complexity of human societies. A change in human behavior will affect the economy of a society and its physical environment. The economy will affect the environment and vice versa. And the change in the economy and the environment will affect uh, human behavior in complex, unpredictable ways and so forth. The network of causes and effects is far too complex to be untangled and understood. Fifth Principle People do not consciously and rationally choose the form of their society. Society develops through processes of social evolution that are not under rational human control. The fifth principle is a consequence of the other four. To illustrate, by the first example, generally speaking, an attempt at social reform either acts in the direction in which society is developing anyway, so that it merely accelerates a change that would have occurred in any case, or else it has a transitory effect so that the society soon slips back into its old groove. To make a lasting change in the direction of the development of any important aspects of a society, reform is insufficient and revolution is required. A revolution does not necessarily involve an armed uprising or the overthrow of a government. Um, that was not my writing. Um, but it is also something that we necessarily adhere to because we are not um, a violent podcast nor condone violence. Um, by the second principle, a revolution never changes only one aspect of a society. It changes the whole society and by the third principle, uh, changes occur that were never expected or desired by the revolutionaries. By the fourth principle, when revolutionaries or utopians set up a new kind of society, it never works out as planned. The American Revolution does not provide a counterexample. The, revolution, the American Revolution was not a revolution in our sense of the word, but a war for independence followed by a rather far-reaching political reform. The Founding Fathers did not change the direction of the development of the American society nor do they aspire to do so. They only freed the development of American society from the retarding effect of British rule. Their political reform did not change any basic trend but only push American culture along its natural direction of development. British society, of which American society was an offshoot, had been moving for a long time in the direction of representative democracy. And prior to the War of Independence, the Americans were already practicing a significant degree of representative democracy in the colonial assemblies. The political system established by the Constitution was modeled on the British system and on the colonial assemblies.
With major alterations, to be sure, there is no doubt that the Founding Fathers took a very important step, but it was a step along the road that English-speaking world was already traveling. The proof is that Britain and all of its colonies that were populated predominantly by British, by, by people of British descent, ended up with systems of representative, uh, representative democracies essentially similar to that of the U.S. If the Founding Fathers had lost their nerve and declined to sign the Declaration of Independence, our way of life would not have been significantly different. Maybe we would have somewhat closer ties to Britain and we would have a parliament and prime minister instead of a congress and president. No big deal. Thus, the American Revolution does not provide a counterexample to our principle, but a good illustration of them. The uh, still uh, has one common sense in applying the principle that they are expressed in imprecise language that allows latitude for interpretation and exception to them that can be found. So we present these principles not as invaluable laws, but as a rule of thumb or guide or guides of thinking that they may provide a partial antidote to naive ideas about the future of society. The principle should be borne constantly in mind, and whenever one reaches a uh, conclusion, I don't know why, but like the previous time around, I had the longest time trying to figure out what that was, because this is, uh, I've been trying to explain this like while reading this, it's like there's, I don't know if it was just like someone um, like had typed this over, just like transcribed it and at that point put it up, or if the actual book contains all these typos. But this one basically, it's like I thought it was a new word that I had never heard of, of concusion. But then eventually I realized that it was the I was mistaken for the short form and not the, I guess, the capitalized form. And then at that point, I guess, like, the original person probably read it as, uh, listen, it's neither here or there, but yeah, there's a lot of weird typos throughout the book, and it's not like when I'm, like, messing up that it's, like, me just being dumb. It's just, like, no, there's, like, weird, like, typos that I am struggling through to try and get this. Uh, um... Whenever one reaches a conclusion that conflicts with them, one should carefully re-examine one's thinking and retain the conclusion only if one has good, solid reasoning for doing so. Industrial society, or industrial technological society cannot be reformed. The foregoing principles help to show how people hopelessly, uh, def to show how hopelessly difficult it would be to reform the industrial system in such a way as to prevent it from progressively narrowing our sphere of, of freedom. There has been a consistent tendency going back to at least the industrial revolution for technology to strengthen the system at a high cost in individual freedom and local autonomy. Hence, any change designed to protect freedom from technology would be contrary to the fundamental trend in the development of our society. Consequently, such a change either would be a transitory one, soon swamped by the tide of history, or, if large enough to be permanent, would alter the nature of our, of our whole society. This, by the first and second principle, um, moreover, since society would be altered in a way that could not be predicted in advance, third principle, there would be great risk. Changes large enough to make lasting uh, differences in favor of freedom would not be initiated because it would be realized that they would gravely disrupt the system. So any attempt at reform would be too timid uh, to be effective. Even if the change uh, changes large enough to make a lasting difference were initiated, they would be retracted when their disruptive effects became apparent. Thus, permanent change in favor of freedom could be brought about only by persons prepared to accept radical, dangerous, and unpredictable alterations to the entire system. In other words, by revolutionaries, not reformers, 
People anxious to rescue freedom without sacrificing the supposed benefits of technology will suggest naive schemes for some new form of society that would reconcile with technology. Apart from the fact that people who make such suggestions seldom propose any practical means by which the new form of society could be set up in the first place, it follows from the fourth principle that even if the new form of society could be once established, it either would collapse or would give results very different from those of the of those expected. So even on very general grounds, it seems highly improbable that any way of changing society could be found that would reconcile with modern technology. In the next uh, few sections, we will give more specific reasons for concluding that freedom and technological progress are incompatible. Uh, restriction of freedom is unavoidable in industrial society. As explained in paragraphs 65 to 67, 70 to 73, modern man is strapped down by, by a network of rules and regulations and his fate depends on the actions of persons remote from him whose decisions he cannot influence. This is not accidental or a result of the arbitrariness of arrogant bureaucrats. It is a necessary and inevitable in any te technologically well, in any technologically advanced society. The system has to regulate uh, human behavior in order to function. At work, people have to do what they're told; otherwise, production would be thrown into chaos. Bureaucracies have to be run to rigid rules to allow any substantial personal discretion to lower bureaucrats would disrupt the system and lead to charges of unfairness due to the differences in the way individuals, individual bureaucrats exercise their discretion. It is true that some restriction on our freedom could be eliminated, but generally speaking, the regulation of our lives by large organization is necessary for the functioning of the industrial technological society. The result is a sense of powerlessness on the part of the average person. It may be, however, the formal regulations will tend increasingly to be replaced by psychological tools that make us want to do what the system requires of us. Pro propaganda, paragraph 14, educational techniques, mental health programs. The system has to force people to behave in ways that are increasingly remote from the natural pattern of human behavior. For example, the system needs scientists, mathematicians, and engineers. It cannot function without them, so heavy pressure is put on children to excel in these fields. It, is, it isn't natural for the adolescent human being to spend the bulk of his time sitting at a desk absorbed in study. A normal adolescent wants to spend his time in active contact with the real world. Uh, among primitive people, the things that children are, are trained to do tend to be in reasonable harmony with, nature, with natural human impulse. Among the American Indians, for example, boys were trained in active outdoor pursuits, uh, just the sort of thing that boys like. But in our society, uh, children are pushed into studying technical subjects which most do grudgingly. Um, because of the constant pressure that the system exerts to modify human behavior, there is a gradual, a gradual increase in the number of people uh, who cannot or will not um, adjust to society's requirement. Welfare leeches, youth gangs, members, cultists, anti-government rebels, uh, radical environmentalists, saboteurs, dropouts, and resistors of various kinds. In any technologically advanced society, the individual's fate must depend on the decisions that he personally cannot influence to any great extent. A, technologically, a technological society cannot be broken down into small autonomous communities because production depends on the cooperation of very large numbers of people and machines. 
Such a society must be highly organized and decisions have to be made that affect very large numbers of people. When a decision affects, say, a million people, then each of the affected individuals has, on the average, only one millionth of a share in the making the decision. What usually happens in practice is the decisions are made by public officials or corporation or, or corporate executives um, or by technical specialists, but even when the public votes on a decision, the numbers of voters ordinarily is too large for the vote of any one individual to be significant. Thus, the most individuals are unable to influence measurably the major decisions that affect their lives. There is no conceivable way to remedy this in a technologically advanced society. The system tries to solve the problem by using propaganda to make people want decisions that have been made for them. But even if this solution were completely successful um, in making people feel better, it would be demeaning. Uh, conservatives and other advocates, more local autonomy, uh, local autonomy, uh, uh, local communities once did not, uh, did have autonomy, but such autonomy became less and less possible as local communities became more enmeshed and dependent on large-scale systems. The public utilities, computer networks, and highway systems, the mass communication media, the modern healthcare system, also, operating against autonomy is the fact that technology applied in one location often affects people at another location far away. Thus, pesticide or chemicals used near creek uh, may contaminate the water supply hundreds of miles downstream, and the greenhouse affects uh, the whole world. The system does not and cannot exist to satisfy human needs. Instead, it is the human behavior that has to be modified to fit the needs of the system. This is uh, this has nothing to do with political or social ideology that may pretend to guide technological systems. It is not the fault of capitalism. It is not the fault of socialism. It is the fault of technology because the system is guided not by ideology but by technical necessities. Of course, the system does satisfy many human needs, but generally speaking, it does this only to the extent that it is to the advantage of the system to do so. It is the need of the system that are paramount, not the those of the human being. For example, the system may provide people with food because the system can function if everyone starved. It attends to people's psychological needs whenever it can conveniently do so because it couldn't function if too many people were depressed or rebellious. But the system, for good, solid, practical reason, must exert constant pressure on people to mold their behavior to the needs of the system. Too much waste accumulating, the government, the media, and the educational system, environmentalists, everyone inundates us with mass of propaganda about recycling. Need more technical personnel? A chorus of voices exhorts kids to study science. No one stops to ask whether it is inhumane to force adolescents to spend the bulk of their time studying subjects most of them hate. When skilled workers are put out of a job by technical advances and have to undergo retraining, no one asks whether it is humiliating for them to be pushed around in this way. It is simply taken for granted that everyone must bow to the technical necessities if for good reason. If human needs were put before technical necessities, there would be economic problems, unemployment, shortage, or worse. The concept of mental health in our society is defined largely by the extent to which an individual behaves in accord with the needs of the system and does so without showing signs of stress. Effort to make room for sense of purpose and for autonomy within the system are better than a joke are no better than a joke. For example, one company instead of having each of its employees assemble one section of a catalog had each assemble a whole a whole catalog. And this was supposed to give them a sense of purpose and achievement. Some companies have tried to give their employment some autonomy in their work, but for practical reasons, this usually can be done only to a very limited extent. And in any case, employees are never given autonomy as to the ultimate goals. Their autonomous efforts can never be directed towards goals that they select personally. 
but only towards their employer's goals, such as survival and growth for the company. Any company would soon go out of business if it permits its employee to act otherwise. Similarly, in any enterprise within a socialist system, workers must direct their effort towards the goal of the enterprise, otherwise the enterprise will not serve its purpose at all uh, as part of the system. Once again, for a pure technical reason, it is not possible for individuals or small groups that have uh, much autonomy in an industrial society. Uh, even though the small business owner commonly has only limited autonomy, apart from the necessity of a government regulation, he is restricted by the fact that he must fit into the economic system and conform to its requirements. Uh, for, for instance, uh, when someone develops a new technology, the small business person of often has to use the technology whether he wants to or not in order to remain competitive. The bad part of technology cannot be separated from the good parts. Uh, a further reason why industrial society cannot be reformed in favor of freedom is that modern technology is a unified system in which all the parts are dependent on one another. You cannot get rid of the bad parts of technology and retain only the good parts. Take modern medicine, for example. Progress in medical science depends on the, the progress in chemistry, physics, biology, and computer science and other fields. Advanced medical treatment requires expensive high-tech equipment that can be made available only by technological progressive economically rich society clearly you cannot have much progress in medicine without the whole technological system and everything goes with it even if medical progress could be maintained without the rest of the technological system it would be by itself bring certain evils suppose for example that a cure for diabetes is discovered People with a genetic tendency to diabetes would then be able to survive and reproduce as well as anyone else. Natural selection against genes for uh, diabetes will cease, and such genes will spread throughout the population. This may be occurring to some extent already, since diabetes, while not curable, can be controlled through the use of insulin. The same thing will happen with many other diseases, susceptibility to which is affected by genetic degradation of the population. The only solution will be some sort of eugenics program or extensive genetic engineering of human beings so that man in the future will no longer be a creation of nature or of chance or of God, depending on your religious or philosophical opinions, but a manufactured product. If you think that big government interferes in your life too much now, just wait till the government starts regulating the genetic constitution of your children. Such regulations will inevitably follow the introduction of genetics engineering of human beings because the consequences of unregulated genetic engineering would be disastrous. The usual response to such concern is talk of medical ethics, but a code of ethics would not serve to protect freedom in the face of medical progress. It would only make matters worse. A code of ethics applicable to genetic engineering would be, in effect, a means of regulating the genetic constitution of, gen of human beings. Somebody, probably the upper middle class mostly, would decide that such and such uh, applications of genetic engineering were ethical and others were not, so that, in effect, they would be imposing their own values on the genetic constitution of the population at large. Even if a code of ethics were chosen on a completely democratic basis, the majority would be imposing their own value on any minorities who have a different idea of what constitutes an ethical use of engineering, of genetic engineering. They the only code of ethics that would truly protect freedom would be one that prohibited any genetic engineering of human beings. And one you can be sure that has no such code will ever be applied in a technological society. No code that reduces genetic engineering to a minor role can stand up for long because the temptation presented by the immense power of biotechnology will be irresistible, especially since to the majority of people, many of its applications would seem obviously and unequivocally good, eliminating physical and mental diseases giving the abilities they need uh, along in today's world. Inevitably, genetic engineering will be used extensively, 
but only in ways that are consistent with the needs of industrial technological system. <sighs> All right, so with that, we are on page 15. We are at the halfway mark. Um, so in a few weeks, um, we would be moving on to a new book. On Saturday, I will uh, read the next three pages. Um, hopefully, maybe, I don't know if you guys remember the, the email itself, but uh, possibly like write in and say, do you prefer it being just three pages at a time? Or want me to just go until I get tired or bored? Or just kind of go chapter like wide. Like I, I'm not sure like how much um, to kind of like at what pace is kind of wanted. Um, I don't know. I just chose three pages because like the first time I was like bored, but um, kind of kept it since. Um, so yeah. So Saturday I'll record um, 16, 17, 18. And then eventually, um, there will just be, I don't know, like five more weeks left after that. Uh, so, um, I had much more to say the last time around. Like, got somewhat, like, alright, like, I mean, reality, like, no one's ever going to hear the other one because it's, like, gone for the ages, but, like, like, Believe me, like it was like philosophical in nature, kind of like thinking about stuff. Whereas like this time around, like there's, I'm so just like irritated having to reread it. And in reality, it's just like no one's making me do this besides myself. But it's just like I don't know. I I kind of just wanted to make the addendum to be an interesting thing. I kind of figured that the reading would make it interesting. Um. But I guess the one thing I do um, kind of parallel to this is, uh, speaking of genetic engineering, um, there's a whole thing where they started to put um, stem cells into people that were um, like unable to walk or um, just like basically like hadn't talked in years or what have you, like kind of like Alzheimer's type patients, etc. And then it's just like, they did like a CAT scan and like looked at all the dead spots within their brain and then at that point started injecting into it and then like within five minutes like these people then started to like get up and walk around and like do things that they hadn't done in like years and you can look it up on YouTube it's kind of an interesting thing I guess to see but it's just like that technology has kind of um progress to a certain extent um this uh, maybe eventually i'll reach upon like my uh qualms with the current way that the fda handles um vaccines but at the same time there are some things that are a little bit interesting on the experimental side about what the future could be like um, so, I, I guess with that, um, I don't know what to say. I'm thinking about it right now, I don't know why I said the outro. Oh, I guess because the idea is that this is supposed to be a secret. So then just like, you shouldn't be listening to this this long. So then I don't know what the outro would be now. Um, hmm. Hmm. Um. Okay. Um, I will read you. Well, uh, I guess because I started this episode. Um, talking, I mean, I guess the episode episode, um, talking about how, um, 
that I had recorded something and then eventually I wasn't able to use it because of the whole like um, what do you call it uh, having to pay licensing fee so I'll read you I guess basically how the previous episode or I guess how the episode that is never going to be able to legally air um, started You know how you go to your favorite bar and your local bartender isn't there and you ask, where's Jeff? Jeff no longer works here. I'm Steve. And you're thinking, who's this idiot? I like Jeff. But you still want your drink. And even though Steve doesn't mix your drink the same way that you're used to, like Jeff, you still want the, you still like the same bar. You don't want to have to go to a different bar. And even Steve might feel kind of bad because Jeff trained him. Jeff showed him how to work the cash register, where the tonics was on the soda gun. Who tips, who doesn't? Well, I'm Steve. What can I get you? So the addendum. Um, I think of this one I'll stop kind of calling it uh, the C is not in full. Um, pretty much it is an addendum to the actual show. And I guess what I wanted the C is not in full to be, um, kind of after reading online for a bit, kind of figured out I might be sued to oblivion. So. Um, I guess I can't really do that. Um, I, I guess if you wanted a idea of, um, what I wanted to do, um, I wanted to try and recreate, um, I, I guess like the experience of having a late night call in, well, not even call, I wouldn't say call in, um, but like, uh, late night, like, uh, radio type show, um, essentially kind of having some questions, a lot of music and stuff like that, um, to which the music was kind of going to feedback into, um, the, the question itself, as in, like, kind of, like, match similar themes and things like that. Like, I feel that I have a pretty extensive knowledge of music, so I kind of felt like, all right, well, I feel like I, I could be a good, um, I don't know, uh, arbiter of what choices to make. And, I don't know, I recorded 
a test run yesterday. I mean, it wasn't best because I mean, it's kind of it is weird to kind of go on a topic that I'm not really used to. But like, as it kind of went along, I kind of got the hang of it. But then afterwards, I started reading about it, and it's just like I, I didn't even realize that even naming songs in itself would lead you to get sued. So, um, if someone wants to help recreate um, that idea. Uh, maybe in the future you would sponsor a Patreon of sorts for that, and then at that point I'll buy licensing licensing fee, and then at that point I'll do the show that way, um, and that's all that I'll use the money for because I have no interest in using money for anything else. It is purely to get a licensing fee. <laughs> Not only that, but one of two. I think that's that's the part where I think it's retar. Well. Mm. Uh, <laughs> where it's like, I don't know, even in itself, I, I guess it is in a sense retarded because it's like, it is a detriment to anything. It's like, um, like you're, you're basically kind of putting, I feel that this is something we're like not spooky would probably argue in terms of capitalism for, but I, I guess to me, this is more something where it's like, I feel that capitalism has kind of. Um, I guess, like, immoral capitalism in a sense has, like, kind of taken advantage of our government and created such a thing. But, it's like, I mean, why is, like, radio pretty much dying? And it's, like, you pretty much have a lot of, like, costly type, um, I guess, like, what? I guess I'm not trying to dox yourself in this, but, like, I guess growing up, it's, like, uh, I mean, most of the radio stations that I listened to eventually just switched over to talk radio. I'm assuming, A, one for the cost of having to keep up with the licensing fees, but, like, even then, like, just reading about, like, all the, like, the different things with, like, hey, if you have, if you even have, like, a school dance, like, you basically have to pay for each person that would even listen to the music or you would like if you had a bar that played music in the background you would have to pay for like the average of all your tenants throughout a year or um let's see if you had um let's say if you were in, if you ran a college and you just kind of had music playing in the, the lobby you would have to pay a fee for each student that attends at all, not just like per year or like per, like, like not even if they dropped out, like if they ever attend during that time period, you have to pay for it. And just like, you, you, what is the point in basically creating such a, like, I don't know, um, terrible system of, like, of, of inconvenience? It's like, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, the, the other option is to then try and, like, pursue um, indie bands and stuff like that. And while some of them do exist and some are decent, I mean, it is kind of like pearls before swines, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know why. It's like, alright, so... In the beginning, like, we, we, uh, um, Natsuki asked me, like, if I wanted, like, uh, I guess, like, when we were setting this whole thing up, and, and for some reason, I chose to go the route of, like, not swearing, just in a sense, because I thought it would be a little bit of a challenge, and it's just, like, I feel that for me, it has come up, like, this, like, weird wall has, like, randomly come up to me, like, in different instances where I feel that I'm like starting to start uh, like I'm just about to swear I'm just about to like lay something like really offensive and I'm just like nope I have to keep it clean but ironically it's like the subject matter is like I don't know people dying in the most terrible of ways but as long as like a series of words are not said then everything's kosher um, which I feel that, uh, I mean, uh, our host, uh, anchor.fm, which I will not insult, 
in a sense because they're providing a decent service um kind of treats it as a honor system so then at that point i am willing to oblige but i think it is I mean, even then i don't even have to do it like i could just easily turn it off and then at that point it would just be a blue show going forward but i don't know i i feel that there is a um there's a challenge to it and I feel that if you don't really have enough challenges, then eventually you just get bored and jaded. Um, so the one benefit I would say that came out of um, the defunct project of the C is not yet full is that I made a small studio within a small studio. Um, in the process, I had recorded two different things, and both of those have never seen the light of day. So this is the third time that I'm recording something, and then hopefully this will have gone out there. Um, I don't know, it's, um, hmm. I guess it's a bit discouraging. I mean, most of it is, like, once again, I, I feel like this is just me being open, whatever is listening, but, like, one of them is just me being outright dumb, and it's like, I didn't even realize that, like, I had not changed the volume, so it was just purely not even recording at all, and the other one is just because I found out that you can't record music, so it's like, alright, well, I'm screwed. Um... So the one thing that I've noticed through this is that maybe um, others have noticed, I don't know, I, I guess to me it sounds a little bit more echoey, I guess in a way, but I feel that I talk louder, so I don't know, uh, you tell me if this is a um, good trade-off, if not, then at that point I'll just go back to what it is. Um, so, last time that we had to watch something, it, it was, uh, it was a place of interest, it was, um, Wuhan. And, in reality, so, I've recorded two things now, at this point, that didn't get, uh, presented, or that, that won't basically go out, but at the same time, I recorded this conversation about three times, um, mainly just because I didn't really like the amount of energy that I put into the previous times. So, at this point, what I have to say on Wuhan is going to be pretty rope. Um, so, in this situation, I, I guess, like, as, especially, I guess, when I first suggested it, um, there was a sense of, like, oh, right, it's kind of a weird marble, but now when it's just like, oh, like, Hey, it's half of the planet is being locked up. It's like, now this is just kind of grim. And it's like, it is very easy to see how all the, the like, the, the pieces were there. So that way, like, this could happen. It's like, the name of the video in question was, like, is uh, Wuhan the new Chicago or something like that. And then you basically see that like all roads lead to through Wuhan where it's like if you wanted to get to any of the major cities in uh China you had to go through Wuhan and the same thing where like it, all of its uh um like subways and things like that and then also the um the the boating aspects and what have you and then also just a lot of monuments just kind of like we're bringing tourism to China. And it's just like, man, this this town was cursed. And then, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird salient moment when you're watching the the video where like the lady who's, ta who's kind of giving the tour of the entire town, um, she goes visit one of the monuments. I forget the name of it. Um, but essentially that the town had been, like, ransacked several times over, and each time this one monument had been destroyed. And now this monument exists again, mainly due to times of peace, 
but even then, it's not like the original anymore. Like now, it's just a completely different location. But it's like, uh, um, I don't know. I, I guess a memento of what the original one was, and it's like, yeah, and uh, like maybe there's a um, sense of like life will find a way, and Wuhan itself would rebuild itself. But I don't have that hope. Um, someone may be more optimistic than, than me. I read an article earlier today where it was just like um, the people that had um, been cured or um, would you say cured? Would you say um, I, I guess hmm it's not cured. I, I guess it's, I mean you didn't die. I guess you got better. Those who got better from the disease uh, are now basically testing positive again. So now they're basic. They're having to like round all like uh, twenty some thousand people back and put them into the hospital. And this is also considering the idea that like oh was China even telling the actual numbers? But there was this other video that I saw, like, earlier in the week where it was just, like, um, the, um, it was, like, these doctors basically talking about, like, wrapping up bodies and at that point having to, like, throw them into the crematorium and, like, still hearing the screams and knowing, like, oh, there's a living person in here. Like, this is not, like, I didn't die. It's just more like our terrible overlords basically have forced us to commit horrible acts against humanity which I guess in a decade or so maybe someone will look back at this time period and witness how the holocaust happened again but we'll see um and I, and I guess to me that's the one thing as a person that has observed conversations about the Holocaust quite often is that you have a government that is obviously corrupt like China and you have all these suppression of videos coming out about like where people criticize the government and disappear and then at that point all these allegations that like China is hiding the numbers and then also that, like, China is also secretly, like, just killing people left and right that they suspect, and then having, like, massive, like, incinerators, like, to the point where now they, like, have even advertised the fact that they've got, like, mobile incinerators. And it's just, like, there's no, like, at this point, like, if the Holocaust happened again in China... It is only the mainstream media to blame. Because to me, it, it does not take too long to um, observe the alternative press at least commenting on half of these things and not outright dismissing everything and basically bending over backwards for China. But the mainstream media basically does everything in the sun to just like, oh, any sus. It's like. I don't know. It, mm, it is. It just. It becomes tiring. It's like when you hear about like um, the idea that like now they're starting to put piece together that like oh maybe this was all like this all came from a lab. It's like. People have been saying this from day one, and it's like, now, like, basically the government has given enough clearance where it's like, alright, like, maybe we can, is it, we've, we've burned our reputation so far, there's no way that we can go any further if we just admitted that we basically were killing people. Um, or we're planning to kill people through, like, this, like, bioengineered weapon. And, nah. I feel that eventually there will be a special place in hell for most of the people in the media as 
they literally let not only like a holocaust happen again but also the idea that like misinforming people like the general public in such like almost like malicious ways that at that point like the, the public is then informed terribly and then goes out and does a series of actions that they shouldn't it's like telling people oh it, it's like it, it is not an issue um it's like that the virus dies on like like it's not like a human to human and then eventually you discover that it is and then at that point that it dies on surfaces after a few hours and then you discover that it lasts for weeks and then it's like, oh, that it's not airborne. And you eventually discover that it is. And you have, like, dumb momos, like the guy in Italy, basically, like, oh, I'm not a virus. And then goes around basically hugging people. And then, essentially, it's like, a week later, 300 people mysteriously have the infection in, in Italy. It's like... The... The negligence is to a point where it seems almost out of just like a sense of like almost showing off in a sense where it's just like let's see what level of ridiculousness that we can push these lies and see how much people are willing to accept. As I said, it is tiring. But the world goes on and we lose people every day. And then we only have those on top to blame. With that, uh, the following week, the place of interest to look at would be Holland. Um, I discovered um, I don't like looking at the numbers, but I found that there was someone, um, listening from Amsterdam. So I figured, if anything, figure out how that person lives. So I'm going to say, look up, um, what Amsterdam is like, see how it is. Could be interesting. A part of me was thinking about doing soul. Uh, South Korea, but I don't know. Also, um, uh, because these episodes are being uh, recorded in such a weird way, um, like we're not recording on Saturday, but we already have a episode recorded in advance that was recorded a week ago, but in the future. Um, Not Spooky has agreed to watch two of the Alex Jones documentaries, which are kind of meant to be watched back to back, I feel. Um, one of them is Terror Storm, and the other one being, um, Endgame. Um, I kind of feel that maybe skip to those just in a sense, because... I feel they're, I mean, it's kind of the issue that he had before where he didn't kind of find it too relevant. And, um, but at the same time, I feel that, like, Endgame is really one of his most bleakest movies. And I, I, I thought about it a year ago and I, I rewatched it then and I don't feel as, well, I guess maybe because time changed and it was a decade since I had watched it and it had softened a bit, but like, there still is a, um, an overall, like, just like, this is the last whimper of, like, humanity being, like, demonstrated. So, I guess with that, I'm not saying goodnight. I'm just saying.